the best part of your week is about to begin. This is the time where we talk shop, swap stories, and share lessons from our wild adventures in the creative industry. With each and every lovingly crafted episode, we strive to bottle that magic, warm, electric feeling you get after coffee with a new friend or attending a fantastic breakout session at a creative conference. You might start as strangers, but you'll leave as friends. Buckle up, settle in, and get ready for this episode of Making a Mark. Hello and welcome to another episode of Making a Mark, the show where we bring on creators and ask them one big question and unpack it together like buddies under around a cup of coffee. I am joined, as always, by everyone's favorite internet friend, Ashley Ulmer. Hello. Happy Friday. How are you? Happy Friday, indeed. Uh, Ashley, and we were in the green room. I brought up your t-shirt about four times. And oh, I need to sorry, know, like, I didn't is, hear you. Is, is this an busy. OG? Uh, no. <laughs> busy scarfing down that burrito? It was original. Oh, no, I'm eating buffalo chicken. Let's be clear. I'm eating chicken. Um, but okay. no, this shirt, I wish it was an original. Original, That'd be cool. No, I got it from Target last year, but I had the album, so it counts, right? Yeah. If it, if it for, for the podcast listeners, she's got the green day. Is that the Dookie the album movie. cover? Yeah. My yeah. kids think that was, uh, I've been in a intense pop punk phase here the past week or so i don't know somebody sent me like a, a worship crossover with yellow card uh <laughs> and like as, as if the worship band was playing i need to drop the video in the show notes but it is uh way too spot on and then it just got the earworms and man like i was i've been listening to <laughs> all the things from high school and college on intense levels of repeat but oh yeah that's uh, all i, I feel like <laughs> I, I could i could see that i could see that for you uh, as much as you and I could probably talk about um, pop punk and that era, this everybody's emo phase. That's not what yes. we're here to talk about today, Ashley. Who who do we have with us on the episode today? We have none other than the amazing Brady. Did I say it? Shearer? Shearer? That's correct. Thanks for being here, Brady. I love it. Glad to be here. Excited to chat. Dude, awesome. I um, this is kind of a wild moment because I think one of the first times I, when I say met you, I was like introduced to you, uh, was on the TV screen at my church, and this is like four, five plus years ago. Uh, back in the day, I think you were, and maybe you still do, like uh, church announcements. Like you'd like go batch pre-record church's announcement videos, and so you were on my screen every Sunday, and then I put two and two together one day, and I found you on Instagram, and I was like, oh, this is the guy. He's, I don't know. That was a, that was a wild one, but uh, yeah. Yeah, those comments come just, in still sometimes. Uh, you'll be on Instagram, and someone will be like, I see you at my church, and I'm like, oh, no, this is, it's like when two parts of your world cross over, and you're like, ah, this wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, no. Wait, so how yeah. did that happen? So like did like churches would hire you to read their specific announcements for the week? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, the product cool. still exists. It's called provideoannouncements.com. You can find it. And it was it was pretty trendy, you know, mid 2010s. Uh, churches would send in their scripts to us and we'd produce the video announcements and then videography gear and that sort of thing sure. became so much more accessible that churches sure. began mm. to be able to do them themselves. And so the product was not as uh, as popular as as it is today. Yeah. Or pardon me as it as yeah. But yeah, good times. 
That's interesting. That's such like a, like I would never think to tap into that specific market, like, but that makes so much sense because there's so many small churches that don't, or back, at least back then, didn't have the, te- not the, you know, the, maybe not the technology or yeah, the, I mean, the alternative you know, was do it on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That was, uh, that was wild. And then in my church, like, yeah, they used it heavily back in the day. And now they've, like you're saying, you know, especially after the pandemic, when everybody, like, oh, shoot, we got to figure out how to live stream and went through that whole process. You know, now my church has it almost like a, as a, as a news broadcast before, like they've got people walking in behind and they're set up out in the atrium and uh, rolling announcements that way as everybody's getting seated and stuff, which is, feels like a super appropriate time and kind of fun format to do that in too. Um. Yeah. So, before we jump into the topic today, we got to st- we got we're, we're gonna we're gonna remember all the segments of our show today. Ashley, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna, gonna ask you, Brady, how you made this mark, and we're gonna pull up a post from your Instagram, and I just want to kind of hear the the backstory. You can either talk about like craft and like specifics about it, or there's just a fun little story around it. Um. Let me pull up window you know if it was a real professional i'd have all this stuff ready to go but here we are all right ashley how far down are we uh i don't think it was too far i just was okay stop little dots um the reason i picked that is because i wanted to give it a talking point because obviously you have to scroll and see what it is but for you to explain what this is and what that product is or um, that brand yeah, so this was a product that we launched at the very beginning of this year uh, called Social Sermons. Uh, socialsermons.com is the URL. And f- frankly, it's a very similar model in terms of product uh, to pro video announcements. Uh, we call it a productized service. So the, the cost is, is, you know, pretty high, I would say. Um, I think it's, it's like $750 a month for social sermons. Um, and we can only accommodate a limited number of churches. So we have, uh, about a hundred churches in the program. That was how many spots that we had. So we launched it. All the spots got maxed out. Uh, the idea with this type of product is the, the cost is for custom work lower than what you would come to expect. So for a lot of churches, custom work, Oh, 750 bucks a month for, you know, this many videos, three new videos every single week that are custom. That's great. And, and the idea behind social sermons is you very similar to sending us your script and we produce your video announcements, except this time you send us your sermon file that was recorded uh, last week. And then we yeah. turn it into bite-sized 60 seconds or less um, videos for social media, social sermons. That's cool. I love yeah. It. Again, I would never, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't work at a church and I actually never have, but I would never like think that, but that's such like, that's such a perfect untapped market. I mean, maybe not untapped. I'm sure there's other people that do it, but I'm just saying like the, the product itself or the service itself, that's so genius. Cause every, every church needs that. So that's so cool that you guys do that. And it's, yeah, probably, oh, sorry, I'm gonna go ahead. Well, and the, I, I really, we've, we've found a lot of great success and this is surely useful to the creatives that are listening. So, okay. Like how do I get more clients? How do I, you know, create more sustainable and consistent income each month? Uh, what's amazing about a productized service mm-hmm. is that, like I said, it's the result for the client is something that's custom, but the process is very uh, systematic on yep. your side of things. And so at the end of the day, 
the, the church or the client that you're working with, they get something like, wow, this was like made just for me. But what mm -hmm. you've done is you've engineered a systematic process to predictably churn out that same quality of content, but because it's within this predefined framework, there's not as much back and forth. There aren't as many revision requests, if any, and yeah. you can do it at scale. And so we hired 15, 16 actually new employees to accommodate this project. And we had hundred churches sign up at the first week, 16 new employees. I'm not doing anything hands-on for it. So I engineered the product. I did the pilot project um, with a few churches when we were kind of building out the framework. But then once the real thing is going, we're plugging all of these new employees and team members into it. Yeah. And again, you know, every month the billing goes through, you know, $749 a month each month for the churches that are signing up and sure. they get the new social sermons every single week. And so it, it, it's, just, it's, it's uh, from a product standpoint, it's this hybrid, right? It's custom, but it's also predefined. And it's yeah. at that yeah. intersection that not too many products exist. And in the church mm -hmm. space specifically, that lower cost makes things more accessible. So that means like, oh, I don't have to just sell mm -hmm. to a church like a three to $5,000 branding project or logo project or design project. It can be $750 a month and I'm delivering a lot more. Yeah. So it seems like wait, wait, more work, lower cost, but with that predefined framework, it's actually not yeah. as much work. And every month you're getting that predictable income, which for me, when I was first starting in 2012, I was making $1,200 a Big month deal. as a media director at a church. And I'm trying to start out and do my own thing. And we had four churches sign up for video announcements at 300 bucks a pop back then. And I was like, great, I just replaced my church so income. Yeah. And that wasn't yeah. just like, oh, I sold a big video to a big client and it's a three month project One and time. it's done. Exactly. So that's cool. That's, that's so, so good. interesting. And I I feel like uh I you're you're getting me excited, like kind of speaking my language in terms of like nailing down systems and a process. I mean, we talked about it last episode actually with like how being really thorough about your project management or about the way that you're doing all the boring steps to do the creative thing frees you up to either do it faster or better or more seamlessly. Uh, yeah. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, especially that lean more on the artist side of the designer uh, spectrum, if you will, they think like, as soon as you have a system, as soon as you have a recipe, you've just sucked the life out of it. It doesn't sound like a fun job anymore. You're sucking the soul out of it. But mm. I've found that, you know, if, if you have the right, gaps in that system. It's like, Hey, all right, this is where we play. This is where we like, you know, interject our own life or personality or whatever. Like those are the moments when, uh, you know, you, and you've got all the ingredients to make a great thing. So I'd assume like, as those videos come down the pipe for you guys, y'all get, you know, a big old chunk of like a, probably an hour long live stream video, right? Brady. And then, um, they're going to take it and you probably have a couple of rounds. Actually, can you like break down the I don't know if that's proprietary or not, but do you mind like sharing like the the recipe like that you guys go through? So some of those boring steps that allow yeah. uh, things to get streamlined. Sure, it's not proprietary. In fact, and this is another insight into our process on like the you know business organization side of things is that when we launch a product, we basically launch it with this accompanying workshop where we tell churches exactly what to do and what we're doing, and then say if you want us to mm. do it for you. You're welcome to pay us for it. But now we've given you exactly everything you need to do it yourself. That's cool. And there's something very disarming about that, I think, because you're not saying, hey, this is some um, secret process that only you can get if you pay us. It's like, no, no, we developed this process and we know it works, but it will yeah. come with time. Mm -hmm. And if you have 
it's, it's basically which resource do you want to spend on this? You have your right. time, you got your treasure, you got your talent. And if you want to spend your treasure on it, spend the cash. We can do it for you. If you want to spend your time and your talent on it, go for it. And the process is going to work either way. So if, you, if you're interested in that workshop, it's still up. It's churchsocialmediaplan.com cool. where you can see the workshop and reverse engineer how we did everything. Um, but essentially, it uh, starts with churches uploading their sermon file to us. And we're using a tool called Massive for this, which is uh, an okay. uploading software, which you can then integrate with other tools. So what will happen is someone will basically, Smart. through Boomerang, which is a Gmail plugin, receive an automated email every single Sunday saying, hey, it's time to upload your sermon to us. The link in that email goes to a type form and the type form links out to the massive portal that is unique to a church. So when they sign up, I create their own massive portal. It's password protected. They get the password. So they log in to the portal and they upload their sermon file. Um, and we also, what's nice about Massive is you can download the desktop app. You know, we're talking about uploading bigger files here, you know, usually yeah. several gigabytes. And depending on what your internet connection is like, uh, a desktop app, which will allow you to continue uploading, even if like the connection gets broken or whatever mm. is really useful. So we use a tool that can help churches in that way. Cause if they're always doing everything through browser, it can be difficult. We always do everything through browser. I'm wired ethernet, everything. So it doesn't bother me, uh, but multiple mm. options there. When that file gets uploaded, the massive portal. And again, we're really into the weeds here. Hopefully this is interesting to some people. It's the massive it. portal is connected to frame.io and frame, which okay. was re recently acquired by Adobe is kind of a video reviewing platform. So let's say you're working with a client, you're doing a video project, you upload the, the, the final to frame, and then you send that review link to them. And then they get to go, they can click on the screen, they can annotate, they can make time stamped comments. Oh, we need to change this here, change this here, circle something. Ah, you know, this is overexposed. Let's fix this. In our yeah. context, Every single church has their own project in frame. So let's say you're Hope Church, you upload your sermon file to the Hope Church portal, it gets automatically sent into frame. And then when a file gets uploaded to that frame project for Hope Church, the people that are working specifically on that account receive an email notification. Oh, sermon file for this church has been uploaded, great. So the first step in, sermon, uh, in social sermons is the copywriter. And what they do is they watch through the entire sermon and using this outsider perspective, which is really useful for then taking sermon content and bringing it to social, they're picking out what are the most useful segments of this sermon that we can bring to social. And there's an entire process for that. We can get into that, but it's more of a separate thing. They then make time-stamped comments using frame.io. So they'll say, okay, from 14 minutes and 10 seconds through 15 minutes and 45 seconds, this is the best spot. And we're I keeping everything under so a minute. Much. So like here, it's like one to two minutes is what the editor wants. Here's where things get really fun. So because frame.io was bought by Adobe, it integrates directly with Adobe Premiere Pro now. So when the nice. editor, which is the second employee on a church's account, gets the file, they open it directly in, a, in Premiere and the timestamp comment is right there. So you can cut and trim using the timestamp that's getting brought dynamically in Come to on. Adobe. So they chop it up, send it out to the church. We're using a tool called Vista Social to schedule uh, content to YouTube Shorts, Facebook and Instagram Reels, and TikTok and publish on churches' behalfs. And so we upload the files to Vista Social. That sends out emails for approval. Churches can, within Vista Social, approve the post or reject it, provide revision requests, make the changes. They get the uh, approval again. They hit approve and then, you know, repeat next week. So 
That's wild. Cool. So, I mean, I, I feel like I don't speak for the whole audience here, but definitely I love hearing kind of the behind the scenes, like how things connect up. Because for anyone who's built anything remotely close to what you just described, you know, there can be like some showstopper roadblocks at any one of 15 points along that process and hmm. engineering like, okay, you know, how did, at what point do we need a human hand on this? And this thing won't talk to this thing. Does that mean our product is dead? Um, that's, that's fascinating. Do you have like a go-to, uh, is there somebody on your team? Is it you? Is it a resource that you go to for, uh, developing some of those systems? And, and I forget what the software people call it, like a, a stack of, uh, a tech stack, like that you, that you go to. I mean, so our main product at our company is called Nucleus. And the primary thing that we right. do is we develop software. And so that's a church website builder, uh, CHMS, giving software, all that good stuff, all in one integrated software for church tech. So typically when we would launch something, we would build it ourselves with our team of engineers. But okay. for social sermons, you know, we wanted it to be this separate entity. It was kind of like, hey, we haven't launched a product in a, in a long time. Can I still do this? Like, you know, am I still relevant? Mm. Am I, do I still have it or am I washed? Yeah. And I so still have what it takes. <laughs> Social sermons was like, I, you know what? I'm going to build this entire thing using tools that are pre-existing. And we didn't have, mm. aside from the landing page of socialsermons.com, which is one page that I had my designers and engineers like spin up in a, in a week. Uh, every single thing is run by a pre-existing third-party tool. Uh, and That's cool. we only use tools that integrated with other ones. Now, there are always going to be things that don't work perfectly, right? And each church has an editor, each church has a copywriter. And like, you know, churches will upload a file, and they meant to upload, you know, 68 minutes, and they uploaded nine minutes and 39 seconds. And so then, you right. know, our customer support team reaches out and says, hey, we need you to re-upload this file. Uh, the biggest issues come... Try again. Precisely. The, the biggest is issues come from scheduling content to social platforms, because these APIs... Mm from Instagram mm, and Facebook and TikTok and YouTube. Change. And, and they're open, but like, you know, a, a church, they'll just be these weird publishing errors. Now, churches really value being able to just upload their sermon file and know like they have to do nothing. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I think to make things cleaner, we would just deliver the finals and they would post on their behalf um, or they would post by themselves, value pardon me. for them. Exactly. So we kind of deal with like the issues of like, you know, Oh, unknown error, YouTube ID 175. Okay, well, I don't even know what, what that might be. But, I hate, I and, hate that. So one. there are real people that are kind of like overseeing all of these things. Um, but for the most part, I mean, we've got, you know, 100 plus churches um, in the service and we're pumping out 500 videos every single week. And, you know, everyone's getting their social sermons on time. Things are being published as they should. And, you know, little things are happening here and there. Uh, but it was really a testament, I think, to like the great team that we brought on. We hired 60 people from scratch, went through an entire hiring process, um, but also the system that was reliable enough to work because, you know, we went from zero videos in week one to 500 the next week after 100 churches signed up in the first week. And, you know, wow. it's been going pretty smooth. I'm, 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 I'm pleased. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know in the green room, you said, hey, guys, uh, let's don't plug our products. Like, I don't want this thing to feel too salesy. So uh, audience, uh, rest assured, Brady did not pay to be on the illustrious uh, <laughs> podcast empire that is making a mark. This is not a sponsor content. It just truly is like one of the things that jumps out to me about uh, 
not only like the the business you've built and like the services that you offer, but it's just like your ability to kind of bridge the gap between where most people are and their needs versus like what is a better way to solve that. Yeah. Um, but before we go too much further into that, I, Autumn's got a great question for us down in the comments. Enjoy listening to Pro Church Tools podcast. What's been one of your products or services that you have personally gotten the most excited about? Uh, I just would like to take the moment here. I understand that this is a typo, but you know we're not here to get into the abortion debate. It's the Pro Church Tools podcast, not the Pro Choice. <laughs> just like, look, I am Canadian. I understand we are more progressive, typically uh, this side of the continent. I'm not here to really wade into that, but uh, Autumn, obviously, we understand. Uh, just poking fun here that that was uh, a typo. So, I mean, yeah, one of the products that I'm most excited about. I mean, each one has its own like special place in my heart. You know, I have two children. Uh, you know, kind of the same thing. Uh, as the director, president, CEO, like whatever title I decide to put on the tax form on the day that they send it, uh, as like the overseer of the company, it's always fun approaching a new challenge. And we only dive into projects that are really exciting for us. And that's definitely one of the benefits and privileges that we've, we've had. And we work really hard to maintain. We don't want to do things just to like oh, we got to run payroll this month. And so we have to do this. We got to take uh, this so that, job on just because it makes money. Yeah. Precisely. So that's really important to us. I mean, big picture, building a software platform from scratch that are, is used by thousands and thousands of churches, which then, cool. you know, ancillary of that is used by tens of thousands of parishioners in churches is, is truly like something, you can't really wrap your mind around it. Um, and, and that's really exciting. Then on like the complete system side of things, like building a social sermons and then pulling that off with all of like the systems and kind of like doing it from scratch and Hey, it's been 10 years since we've run a company. Like, can we get back to how we first started and, and, you know, repeat that level of success. And then the, the gratification that comes from like all the hard work paying off with like a big launch event that meets and succeeds your expectations, like that, that's really special as well. And, and each one has its own set of like challenges too. Like working with clients is difficult as we all know. You know, churches right. being like, you go through a perfect thing. They're like, you know, I didn't like this. Like start over. And you're like, well, we have parts of the of the forum that allow you to kind of let us know if you'd like something different ahead of time. So right. we don't have to redo it. Okay, but that's how it goes. You know, but then software, you know, there's uh, tens of thousands of people using the software every week. Okay. So bugs are being encountered. Oh, I can't reset my password. I'm trying to give to my church. Linda, what's the problem? Well, I entered the wrong email address. How do I reset my password? Well, I can't reset your password to an email that you don't actually own. It doesn't exist. Right. I have to give to my church. Why does your software suck? You don't love the church. Linda, Bad come on, man. You. Help me out here. We're in this together. I have a question. I know it's called uh, Pro Church Tools, but do you guys offer your services to like small businesses or anything like that or only strictly ministry-based organizations? Now, that's a great question. And the answer is no. I went to school to be uh, a youth pastor. So I have my degree in theology and youth ministry. And it was in school that I started getting into the media and tech side of things, got brought on at a church as a media director. And that's where my love of church and like tech kind of intersected. Yeah. I realized a couple of years into school, like I, I just don't have the relational bandwidth to be a full-time student pastor. I, mm -hmm. I, I just am too much of an introvert. Like I love being with people, but again, my bandwidth for that, it, it is always shrinking. And then I have to recharge yeah. so to, to be with people all that time. Like I wouldn't be able to serve them well. Yeah. 
but I loved working with churches and I only wanted to work with churches. I, I, I did a video, it was like the biggest video that I ever sold in college. And it was for um, a nonprofit in the city and they were working um, with sex trafficking victims. So it was like mm. this great cause and it was video for a nonprofit. And I was so miserable on this job. Like it, oh. it just wasn't, it just didn't like, it wasn't me running in my lane. And, yeah. and so yeah. anytime I've tried to venture out and I haven't done this in a long time now, cause I you know, learned my lesson, but early stages, you know, oh, maybe I'll try this for this company or for this business or for this nonprofit. And I was just always miserable. Mm. And so I've just always stuck with churches, love working with churches, love, love the church, love Linda. You know, it's all good. <laughs> Shout out to Linda. Linda is uh, not the wind beneath your wings. She's like the lead on your wings, but <laughs> Yeah. And, and I think that you touched on something that's an interesting, uh, like grass is always greener deal. Like I hear people, especially, uh, you know, not to stereotype, but like young, uh, like yuppie dudes are like, I just need like passive income. I've read four hour work week. Like, let me bro down on my future or whatever. Like that. That's what my mom said like, when I told her I wanted to try all this. And I think, it, and I don't like, even blame her. You can't make money on the internet, Bray. You have to get a job, finish your degree. Mom, they're going to buy my stuff online. It's 2011. It's going to be scalable. Yeah. So like people look at that and they think like, oh, like, you know, if I have a software, I can just sell a thousand times. Then life will be easy. I can just check out. But like there, I, I don't know. I feel like anytime something is truly hands off, unless it's like an investment or whatever, any type of business model that you're assuming is just hands off and cruise control. Like either somebody's going to come in and take that from you because like it, if it's free money, you know, like why would they pay you? Uh, yeah. Or it requires handholding or like you, you've already kind of touched on like there is a launch phase and a planning and like, how do we make all the bones of it work? We go through trial. We show the goods to the customer and like say, Hey, here's the recipe. Do you want to cook it yourself? Like there's all this work before you launch it and then you have to maintain it and service the machine. Like, it's all work. It just depends on like what kind of work that you want to be doing. Um, but I think it's great that, that you've, you kind of found your, your sweet spot, like you said. And, and I don't know, like I, I see a lot of churches out there kind of wrestling between um, like either they, they either fall into one or two ditches. Like, Hey, we have to do everything uh, the first time. It, like, like we, we, everything is original, all of our processes, all of our, you know, creative things that we do, we, you know, we got to be completely original, like no other church has ever done it like this before, or they take all of their cues from successful church that they like down the road or across the country yeah. or wherever. And they say, we want to be fill in the blank junior church. And I've seen mm. you kind of do talks on both sides of that. Like, when is it time to trailblaze versus mm. when is it time to follow a proven method? Yeah. Um, and like, how do you, how do you kind of decipher or, or advise on that? Sure. I, I think copying other churches, you know, for me, copying other creators can absolutely be appropriate. What I talk about is, is balancing impersonation and fusion. Ideally, when you copy another creator, what you're doing is you're creating fusion, which is bringing some of their creative concepts and those intersecting with your creative DNA and your creative values, and then that creating something new. When we think about fusion in cuisine, you take something from like one corner of the globe and how they prepare food, and you connect it with some other corner of the globe, and you create this amazing like remix of something. And yeah. I remember when I first got started in 
creative ministry. Again, 2010, my pastor sent me this little docu-series on Vimeo, and it was called Everything is a Remix. And Mm -hmm. it was basically three parts explaining how like there is nothing new and everything that you love is some amalgamation of other things that you either already love or have never heard of, but previous generations loved. Yeah. And so when I first got started and this changes the longer you've been doing something, because there is, there is a element of like finding your voice when you're talking like me or you're writing or you're on a podcast, there's an element of like finding your style in videography, in graphic design, in web design, in branding, whatever it might be. But at the beginning, you don't have that, right? So it's like, how do you find your voice? Well, I found my voice by just copying people that I thought were really good and I admired. So at the beginning, when I would write, I would write exactly the way they wrote. And when Mm -hmm. I would talk, I'd talk exactly the way they would talk. And then after a while, like I would find somebody else and I would be like, I actually like how they talk too. And then I'd bring in some of their concepts. And the yeah. longer that I did it, the more I began to take things from many sources and just took what made sense for me. And then that became me. But at the yeah, beginning, voice, yeah. like, you know, I remember early days, people would be like, man, you sure talk like Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. He's like the only person I'm listening to. And like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to talk. And at least in the church world, there weren't too many other people to even look up to in this specific space. And I didn't want to talk like a preacher because that's not what I do. Yeah. And so I'm bringing other folks from different industries. And this is another thing about finding your, your voice in this sense or finding your design style, whatever it might be. I love looking to other industries and what works best practices beyond yes. the church world and bringing it here. So like in YouTube, like what are the fitness YouTubers doing? Or what are like the fragrance YouTubers doing? Or what are the sports YouTubers doing? And yeah. then like seeing what makes sense for their industry. Cause a lot of the time, the concepts for social that are working in other industries, those are universal. You know, yes, I'm not talking about converging chest press in my YouTube videos, but the way they're structuring their videos and how yeah. they're doing their interviews and how quickly they're getting into the content and what they're doing with promotion and calls to action, all of that stuff is universal. And what I like bringing, why I like bringing it into our industry is because like what happens is your, your industry and your culture can become very insular. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't look beyond the industry that they're in because perhaps they feel, well, it's not appropriate to look at what someone else is doing and bring it into my world. What does a fragrance YouTuber know about the church creative space? Well, nothing, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn from other industries. And that's been a huge asset for me because you bring something in and people are like, wow, this is new and fresh. To us it is, but it's actually just a copy from somebody else. And so at the beginning, if you are a carbon copy of somebody else, that's okay. Like we all literally have to start from scratch and you write your first sentence and you publish your per, uh, first podcast and you, and you deliver your first, you know, vectors or whatever for the design project and the first client you have. And it's okay if it's that carbon copy at the very beginning and you just keep developing and keep developing fusion, fusion, fusion. What you want to avoid is impersonation and impersonation mm-hmm. happens when you copy someone else's style, their technique, their strategies, and it's a carbon copy, but you don't understand your own at least creative values and in the church space, this is something that we see a lot. So, hey, big church X, affluent church X, highly visible church X is doing live streaming, has a church app, uses this platform, does this sort of thing. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And that could work. But you first need to interrogate that idea against your own mission as a church and your yeah. own values and your own identity and DNA. Absent having an established identity or DNA you bring in someone else's creative ideas, someone else's trailblazing, and that's when it becomes impersonation. Mm-hmm. When it gets intersected with your existing DNA and identity, 
that's when you get fusion and that's what you want. Yeah. That's good. Fusion is a really uh, positive way to talk about that because I feel like, you know, other other variations of that conversation are really just like headbutting or, um, you know, I, I hear kind of both sides of it. Actually, I don't know about you, but like looking looking through, you know, Instagram accounts and like the first person that did the, uh, you know, you pour the milk in the coffee cup and there's yeah, a yeah, message yeah. written on one side of it. They turn it around, whatever. Right. And like, the, I think that's a that's a great little microcosm of exactly what we're talking about where, yeah. um, you know, like it, it was clever the first time you saw it. And then I saw it 17 other times that week. Right. And right. does that make it like a bad thing? Like right. Josh, Josh hates it. Josh would never do the coffee <laughs> thing personally. But I also like, you know, I think that sometimes I'll, I'll hamstring my own possible growth or exposure because I'm so unwilling to copy anything. Sure. But, like Brady's saying, like, I'm still drawing career and visual inspiration from other sources. And that's that fusion you're talking about. It's like, okay, you know, I think another another healthy way to approach that would be rather than straight ripping the coffee idea, go like, oh, crap. Uh, I wonder what is happening in coffee industry or, you know, how do we just like fish from other ponds? Because I think that's one of my big critiques of Christian music as well is it just feels soulless and a little tired because we're all listening to and catering to the same voice sound audience. And I hate yeah. seeing uh, the, the creative space for, for, you know, church and Christianity kind of heading the same direction in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, and for I think sure. that it's because we are so scared to drink from other wells. And, you know, we think that because, you know, church X did did it and they're successful that that means it will be successful for us in our market and there's just so many other factors that go into it and so having that i think brady said it said it well but like just having a real sense of like who you are will let you know when things are or are not a fit but you got to kind of yeah look within if you will first for sure uh brady i have a question um kind of a hot take question so i'm wondering so your name is Pro Church Tools, and obviously a lot of our listeners are familiar with Pro Church Media. That you guys have no relation at all, correct? You're not connected to them in any way. That's correct. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, first of all, Pro Church Tools probably the worst name in the history of names. Uh, not the if name in domains, though. I bet <laughs> the name got chosen when the best man at my wedding was encouraging me to start this blog, which is how Pro Church Tools began, ProChurchTools.com. And he yeah. just sent me over a ton of names. He's like, because he was um, he was a software engineer, designer, and he had his own company. So he was like, he was 10 years older than me. He'd been doing this stuff for a while. He's like, here, you could do Pro Church Tools. You could do this, 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 all these other. And I was like, Pro Church Tools, that one sounds like the best one. Go with that. You know, it's ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. It means nothing. It's fine. Great. Right. And so it comes from there. So a couple of years later, I stumbled across this company called Pro Church, no tools. And I was like, oh, okay. And my and and I I get I come to know the owner of that company. And, and it's an American company. And the reason I came across it was because I was trying to trademark Pro Church Tools, which was fine, mm -hmm. until they're like, well, we can't pro we can't trademark it in America. Why? Well, because Pro Church exists. And they were a printing service at the time, I believe, for churches. Whoa. Oh, wow. And then I come across Pro Church Media. There's a Pro Church Lighting, Pro Church Lights. There's like a hundred. There's a lot. And, you know, I look to everyone listening. I do not know why you would continue to name something that already has a name. <laughs> I, I do not get it. Like, I made an innocent mistake as a 21 year old. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after you see the, the herd heading that direction, you're like, all right. 
I, I can't tell you how many uh, like elevation youths I have have seen oh, out in the world. Yeah. Just like, yeah, how how many of those were around before elevation blew up? I don't know, but but you know what? Like at least church church is local in person ministry, and so mm-hmm. like the elevation youth in you know Pittsburgh or whatever. It's like okay, cool. Like you know, we're we're in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. Like no one's going to mistake that church online when they're trying to find Elevation Youth in uh, in the Carolinas. Carolinas, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all of our pro church companies are online companies. Yeah, yeah. So it You're just seems like bad process, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, I'm friendly with the pro church media folks, and I don't know the pro church lighting folks. I think it's pro church lighting, pro church lights. Anyway, um, it hasn't actually caused any problems. Um, yeah. Pro Church, the printing service, we got emails from their their company, uh, their vendors, uh, their customers, a good amount oh. back in the day. Uh, hey, cancel my service, and we'd look, we'd find them. We don't, we don't have you in our database. And quickly, we realized, oh. Oh, okay, if this happens, we need to send them to the printing company, and not us. I don't know. I don't believe that happens very much anymore. Uh, but when we named Nucleus. We went through a more rigorous process than just like, okay, whatever. Where's that domain? <laughs> yeah, right? where is some undriven snow? That, that's, that's interesting. Great. But with with all these different pro church companies, you your guys' service, like you guys, don't cross over as far as doing the same service. Like everybody's a little bit different as far as what they even offer, right? Like, well, yeah, and different. and pro church tools, our company is really just the umbrella name for the company. Yeah, and. And that was an intentional departure. Like a few years ago, maybe five or six years ago, I stopped putting pro church tools as like the name on the social accounts. And mm. it went to pro mm. church tools with Brady Shearer, which then eventually just became Brady Shearer because gotcha. people searching That's for smart. pro church tools isn't, it's not a thing. There's nothing you can buy from pro church tools. And, and I'm not, I'm not certain that was like, well, I am certain it was the right move. There are yeah. some downsides to it that we could probably do a better job at mitigating. You know, the ProChurchTools.com website could use an update. It hasn't been updated in about three years. It's pretty, but it doesn't exactly have all the right information that you need. But at the end of the day, sure. people are going to Nucleus to find what they need for that product. Gotcha. They're going to social right. sermons to find that. And if they want to engage with our content, well, that's what's happening on social on the podcast and YouTube. And it's yeah. all under my name for the most part. So sure. that was how we mitigated that that challenge. Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting one, um, too, about like building a brand around a personality, because like you're kind of the the face and the go between. Like, obviously, like Nucleus, uh, you know, people are thinking about their website needs and how that relates to whatever they've got going on. But if they're saying, I need advice, they're hitting up Brady Shearer. And then what was what happens if you're like, uh, I'm tired of this or I need to get out. And that might be questions for tomorrow. And it, it's kind of an interesting one for our guest next week too, Ashley, because uh, Sunday Cool Tees has done a similar thing around Josh, who has branded himself as the caricature Cool Carl. Yeah. Where like he is the massive, like biggest driver of sales and leads and attention to their product. Yeah. And, like what if he got tired of doing it? Like, and how does the the brand change when it's tied to a, oh, true. Yeah. a spokesperson like that? Like that's an interesting mm-hmm. one. Obviously, you know, things are pretty simple, pretty friendly. Brady, like you, you own all these companies, I would assume. And so like your, your interests are tied in like, I enjoy working with my friends. I enjoy the work. I, I want to talk about these things, but um, yeah, it just feels like they're similar to the grass is always greener. It's, there's always some like sticky thing around how you name and present things in the world. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, well, and that's why there. to speak to that, that's why we kind of got into software as a hedge against 
like me being too present mm. because when we were yeah. just doing client work through those productized services, when we were selling courses and eBooks, it was entirely dependent on me to kind of sell and then resell when, you know, yeah. another launch was coming around. Yeah. What's amazing about software is that your church still needs a website, even if you are no longer following me on Instagram. And, and there are these natural life cycles to following creators that have nothing to do with like, I disagree with this person now. What happens at least in my experience is like, you follow someone for a few years and, and, and we all have like the same things to say essentially. And after a while, it's like, yeah, like my financial advice, like I don't need to listen to Dave Ramsey anymore. I, I know the seven baby steps. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. that doesn't mean that I'm disagreeing with them anymore per se, uh, but it means maybe I'll listen to someone else's financial advice for a while because they'll have a different take on it. And so that does represent a vulnerability if your only way of earning sales is through like the spokesperson. Right. So we kind of get into software because, hey, irrespective of you following Brady, you need a website. You need to find a way to process it's giving smart. online. You need a CHMS. It is smart. It costs millions and millions of dollars, though. So I just want to make sure I put that caveat in. Building Everybody software is go. wildly expensive. It takes a very long time to build a customer base. And you never, ever stop spending money on it because it's there's no done. There's no, we delivered the software product. No such thing. It is an unfinished product at all times, which for mm. personality types will be uh, challenging. So I say all that to say, yes, software has this amazing byproduct and all that, but uh, it certainly has its uh, challenges, which is uh, the expensive side. So that's kind of how we've uh, hedged against that, which has worked well. Um, and people are going to more and more begin using Nucleus that have nothing to do with me, but. Yeah, that's cool. And I've worked at a, it, it was probably not like a, a fancy software company, but there's like 30 or 40 developers at it. And I was in the, the creative arm, but just my time there, like learning how intense software can be and like how many steps there are, especially when you're like starting from scratch. Cause it's different from, you know, web where you're, um, you know, like like maybe working from an open source platform or some other type of like Squarespace, whatever. Um, but yeah, software can be a booger. But one of the things that you touched on a long time ago in one of your videos was uh, like working with your friends. Like from what I understand, like a lot of your hiring process originally was was formed around like hiring buddies, hanging out with buddies. You talked about like all the sitcoms you used to watch you know, all the friends were with each other all the time. And like in this day and age, the only way to do that is to work together because you spend more time with your, uh, your team than you do with your, your family a lot of times, much less your friends. So, uh, what, what has that been like? And, and I promise, I, I doubt that any of your team will actually listen to this. So you can really speak freely and talk about how, how tough it can be if you want to. <laughs> I mean, it has been way more good than, than tough a dramatic net positive in, in every respect. So to, to provide some context, you know, the first six or seven employees that we hired were, uh, yeah, friends from youth group. So we went to youth group and life's great. And then we go off to Bible college and we, some of us go to the same Bible college. Some of us, some of us don't. And, and we would come back in the summer and it's still great. And then I was like, you know, what's going to happen is we are going to get involved in our jobs and our jobs are going to make us make us move places. And then we're going to have kids. And that's great, too. And, and, and what happens is like we, we can see this over data as well. 
you just start spending less and less time with your friends. And I don't know if this is true for either of you, but like when I talk with my friends, I'd be like, what was it like with your parents? Did they have friends? And most mm. of us are like, I don't really remember my parents having friends. When I was really young, I remember we would go somewhere and we'd see friends. But the older we got, the, the less people we saw. And this is why church is such an amazing thing in the time that we live in right now. You know, and, and social, you know, this is an entirely separate conversation that we've been exploring a bit on our YouTube channel um, this week and, and next week, uh, which will be probably last week or previous weeks when this goes live. Social has its downsides. And, yeah. and one of them is that it can make us very insular and, and disconnect us from in-person. And what's amazing about church is that it provides that ability for us all to be together in person. And, and that was where, for the first mm. time ever, I felt accepted as a kid. Like school, I was, I was sporty, but I was also like intellectual. So I never really fit in in either of those categories cleanly. And, and I was always kind of like just a bit of an outsider. And then I, I, got, I get to youth group and suddenly I feel accepted. And that was where mm. I first in my life found accepted. And now I have kids. I have an eight-year-old and an eight-month-old, two daughters. And like, she's just starting to like find friends in church. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is what is amazing about this. Because it's this third place that doesn't really exist in society right now. Uh, but anyways, I kind of saw that this was going to happen. And, and, you know, again, even if we all went to the same church, real quick, Brady, how, how old other. are you right now when you're making, you're like looking down the field and you're, you're thinking like, oh shoot, when I'm 50, I'm not going to hang out with my friends anymore. Let me build a career around hanging out with my friends. Like what age were you thinking about this? Yeah, I was, I was 20, 21 was when we first hired Mitch, our first employee, one of the men at my wedding. So he was our first hire. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's been really great. Like, leading a team at all points, there's conflict resolution and there's sure. like tension and there's like working through difficult things. But I think what we've always had for us as this big buffer is like margin in our company, meaning there's always been financial margin and there's always been time margin. So what we haven't had to do is like make a hard decision on who we keep to keep the company afloat or pushing the team super hard to work beyond what would mm. be, you know, ideal for the sake of getting a project done, which then grates on relationships. Yeah. And so, you know, we all we talk about the concept of calculated risks in leadership, knowing that like you can't stay conservative all the time, but you also don't want to be reckless. And when I consider a calculated risk in the context of our organization, I'm always thinking about we need to maintain this amount of margin so that these things that we find extremely important for us we're never infringing upon them because that That's is the good. most important thing that we need to protect. And we have one of the values in our own company, which is called clearing the runway. And the idea of clearing the runway is that, you know, there are certain, there are certain places, uh, certain airports in the world where the runway is really short and you have to take off or land in a really, really short period of time. And there are some like risks that come along with that. And clearing the runway is basically saying that, Hey, as long as we need, we like, are going to keep going along this runway and there's nothing that's going to get in the way of it. We clear all of the obstacles. And in that value, in the description, it talks about like, look, what we're trying to do is not like going, it's countercultural, not in the sense like we're, we're changing the culture, but it's like, it's not the way that the typical forces of life over time are going to push you away from this thing. And we're even mm. noticing it now that at the beginning of the pandemic, none of us have kids except for me. I have one kid seven other employees, zero kids. Well, we took our first international retreat since the pandemic last month. We went to the Dominican and there was five kids. Next year, there's going to be eight kids and they're all under two, except for my eight-year-old. <laughs> so 
Man, that airplane. I apologize to everyone on that airplane. If you're listening, it was not our, uh, we were not trying to do that to you, but it's kind of besides the point. But what's happened is with these kids is that we're starting to realize our free time is going down. And so even the work at like, even the work in person is like, oh, we're still not doing as much extracurricular as we used to. Mm. So we've put into place this year, these things that we call memory makers. And there's like four to six that we're planning for the year. The first one was the in-person retreat, which was obviously the biggest one. We fly down to the Dominican. Everyone's there. We get this private villa. It's a great time. Uh, but we're having our, our second one, um, March 12th, which is Oscars night. And we have an annual Oscars party every year. We dress up formal wear. We watch the Oscars. Well, everyone, everyone votes on like who they think is going to win. And then like, you know, we have this Oscar um, trophy this year for the first time. You've had informal winners in the past, but someone will be handed an Academy Award replica and then we'll inscribe your name on it and we'll award that trophy every year. We make cocktails that are like, you know, puns on the names of the uh, on the names of the the That's best great. picture nominations that year. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. What's great about those sort of things is that it's like three hours that one night. Mm-hmm. But it's such a special thing that's different from everything else you do. When do you dress up formal? When do you like, you know, award something? So it's so distinct that proportionate to the time you spend on it, you remember it and it sticks yeah. in memory for a long time. And that's Dang. kind of like our way of hacking. That's brilliant. We all have kids under two. Like it's so busy. It's so busy right now. And, and our work life is pretty well balanced, but with kids and family and extracurricular sure. and daycare and spouses work and all this. So we're now doing more of these memory makers because we don't have as much time to just randomly be like, Hey man, come over. We're watching the game tonight. Or Hey, let's just go grab a drink tonight. Like those things aren't yeah. happening anymore. The stuff so. that feels mm-hmm. easy and natural and like you can slide it in. Like yeah. it just, yeah, that's it. But I'll just say real. one more thing about this. Yeah. Like this matters to me so much. And I refuse to become a statistic on those graphs that show the older that you get, the less time you spend with friends. And the company is built in such a way to afford this. And then I'm like, we finished it. We did it. Except then all these kids were born. And I thought that this was like perfect. And now it's even harder. So I was like, I'm going to come. We have the machine dialed in. (laughs) It's alliteration. And if you don't show up to Oscars night, if you don't get childcare for three hours, like, you know, and, and that has afforded us getting back to that, even with this time of this time, because you get to recognize it, it's seasonal, right? Like yeah. these kids, I have an eight year old and I have gone through the extremely busy phase to now, like she wants to hang out with her friends. Yeah. She wants mm-hmm. to like, you know, do that more than she wants to hang out with me. Um, there's, there comes a time where suddenly life, life gets back to, you know, quote unquote normal. And that crazy young kids period, it ends pretty quickly, even though in the moment it seems forever. Yeah. Uh, and then if you haven't seen your friends in six years, like it's it's a lot more difficult to just kind of like start it back up again. Right. And so the so, test for me man, as the leader how are you? is to keep it going now. Exactly. Yeah. We don't fall into That's that. good. Phase. What a cool like culture to have though, too. Like what a unique like situation you guys have that you all are in that same season together. Like most like companies or you know organizations like at least I mean like in my experience my husband and I owned a business back in the day like we had all of our employees were quite a bit younger than us so like we would try to relate to them on a certain level yeah so it's like but we had young kids at the time and all of them are you know early 20s and totally different stages of life so how cool is it that you guys can experience that life together and work together and you know I feel like that's building even the stronger foundation as you grow throughout the years as your kids grow up as you guys grow up and grow yeah. together that's so cool it's all about that longevity like mm-hmm. that's good it, it's not and this is true about anything the longer you stick with the same thing 
is when it becomes more powerful, right? Like, oh, I had one great workout today. That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, I right. had a bunch of great workouts this year. Great. I had a bunch of great workouts for 10 years. Oh, wow. How'd you do that? Like, how'd you make something so special? Uh, a lot of small, good decisions for a very, very long time. Yeah. And in relationships, you know, they can be so um, just transient, right? And, and not because Man. you don't want to stay in people's lives, but because the forces of life just force you to do otherwise. And so whatever we can yeah. do to fight and protect for this so that when I'm 50, you know, Mitch and I, who went to youth group together, who was my roommate in college, who like was a groomsman at the wedding, who was our first employee, like we're still there and our kids are hanging out and we're still together. And so is everyone else. Like that's the dream and vision. Now, if, if yes. people want to go out and do their own thing, we, we celebrate sure. them as well. And we have one of our employees, they went and started their own company. We celebrated that. to me. Now they're shooting <laughs> for Netflix. Like, so like amazing for them that that, that worked out. And they're coming to the Oscars party next week because we're all still friends. Um, yeah. but, you know, their, their trajectory of life took them elsewhere. And so it's also not about like keeping people here with like, you know, the, the golden handcuffs and being like, yeah. you're here forever. But uh, <laughs> if they want to, they're welcome to stay. That's awesome. I love that. And I also think I want to applaud the intentionality or like not the intentionality that kind of goes without saying, but the direction of the intentionality, because we hear about like I've, I've toured like the Google offices and they showed us like, yeah, here's like the nap pods and here's your free, mm-hmm. you know, kombucha and like all this, like all the possible bells and whistles and like work life and read things on Pixar and how they would like have their teams intermingle and like you know, they would have like line dancing lessons at Pixar. And it's a lot of things that sound like blown up versions of what you're talking about. But the heart behind those things are we want to broaden somebody's mind and get them to have the best ideas and work as hard as possible and not have a reason to leave work and stay on campus as long as possible and make the next best thing ever or we're going to kill you. Right. Like that's the, the seed of that is productivity. Your seed and like the core of what you're talking about is I want to have longevity in these relationships. And that is what all the other trappings are for. And that's just super healthy. And like, yeah, that's so stinking cool. Like, I love that. Well, it's healthy relationally, but it isn't always healthy financially or from a business standpoint. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just read mm-hmm. you aloud one of the values that we have. It's it's called vibes, all caps. And this is the description. It says, productivity is not the highest goal. The bottom line is not the ultimate motivator. For what will it profit us to gain the whole world yet forfeit our souls? Practically, this could mean choosing a hybrid work week over peak efficiency or investing in memorable shared experiences instead of stashing a bit more away. Structurally, and this is the important part, we won't sacrifice our collective well-being on the altar of private enterprise. And that's where the margin mm. comes into play because you have to protect that idea. That idea is extremely vulnerable and it cannot protect itself yeah. in a capitalistic world because the capitalistic forces will say like, you know, you need to make more money, you need to grow and expand. And this is one of the reasons why we've never taken private equity or capital for our software. Because the second you bring that in structurally- You've got a new change. boss. Exactly. And so that means building slower. It means building more thoughtful. It means doing things sometimes a bit differently. Um, But but, and and, and that's why, like, we've been able to thread the needle so far, but it's always a really tricky balance, which is why we acknowledge that in the other value, which is like, hey, what we're trying to do here is ambitious. The world's systems are not made to cater to this ideal. And so Mm. keep the margin, 
you know, protect it and then make sure that you're giving people uh, the income and the time and the job responsibilities that they need to live their best life also, you know, because it's not just about like, you know, Brady getting his and having his friends all around and they're like, you know, you know, making below what they should. uh, So. Are you on the are you on the Brady friend list? Your your pay is twenty percent higher than all other employees. That's the- <laughs> <laughs> well, and my friends, we're gonna make it. <laughs> to speak to that, this has been another thing that we've had to navigate. Everyone makes the same amount of money at our company, oh, and wild because they all started making like thirty grand back in twenty fifteen, which was amazing because they were working part time right. at like Adidas or Best Buy, and so yeah. we had salary. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. By next year, everyone who's working will be in the top 10% of earners in Canada based on their salary. And they're, mm-hmm. they got a raise this year. They're just on the cusp. But what we've always had is this kind of all for one where they're like, if we start into introducing a hierarchy where Mitch makes this mm-hmm. and Alex makes this and Roxanne makes this, it, 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 it has the potential to disrupt and mm-hmm. again, it's this very vulnerable idea we're trying to protect. If suddenly there's a hierarchy that can ruin it all. Now, the trade-off is like everyone makes the same. So that introduces the possibility of tension where if one person feels they're working harder than someone else, if sure. some person feels like they're doing more, accomplishing more, providing more yeah. value than someone else. And that's where we have these open conversations where we're like, hey, this is the ideal we're trying to protect. And here are the trade-offs and the tensions that will come from it. So we have another value. Say the quiet part out loud, which is like anytime you feel any b- uh, bitterness or resentment, just the seed of it, you have to confront it. Because what we've chosen here collectively as like, you know, a family and friend group is that we're going to have times where that happens as a necessity based on us all making the same thing. It's okay. So if that's the truth, then we have to confront the bitterness as soon as it happens or otherwise we're actively going to work against and we're going to become the enemies to this ideal that is very vulnerable. Phew. Dang. Yeah, that's that's so good. And there's also like I've been a part of smaller agencies where either we knew each other before we got into it or we became like very close through the process where it did feel like it was run like a family or group of friends. But then there was that, the, and, and, and kind of like that experience got a little soured for me to the point where I said, Oh shoot. Like I never want partners again. Um, because there's that risk. Like you don't mix money and friends kind of thing. Not like I'm trying to go, you know, screw anybody over, but I just don't want that added, pressure to a friend relationship but you've said hey that is is an acceptable risk and it is worth it for me to get the chance to work with these people and it's worth the sweat and uncomfortability and maybe sacrifice because you know if if this were a you know uh, in another context you would probably making a pile more than all of your friends and you said i will pay that price so that i can have the friends work with me that's and uh, to be clear just so I don't sound all altruistic. I make more than them. They gotcha. all make the same. I don't make the same. Gotcha. Because I own the company and by ownership of the company fundamentally cannot make the same. Uh, yeah. Right, right, right. I don't even get paid in salary exclusively as an example. Um, but all the employees do. And so just want to be clear, 
People don't think that I am more altruistic than uh, <laughs> Brady's over here making a dollar a year and then taking home four million dollars in because I love the grind. Josh. Yeah, I live Josh. for the grind. <laughs> he works at Lowe's on nights and weekends. People don't see that part of the yeah. the, the pro church journey. I asked the bank for a higher interest rate because I don't run from the grind like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> for a high. That's gold, man. Oh, man. We thought we were going to talk about the future, and I guess we did. We talked about. Uh, uh, the future in a, in a little different way, a little yeah. bit less uh, predicting Friends the growing together, yeah. But more about like, how do you build momentum around a direction? Um, yeah, and I would love to, there, there's two things I want to ask you before we jump off. And you tell me which, which one you want to answer. One is you talked about some really uh, impactful kind of brand DNA mission value type things. I have worked behind doing brand projects and stuff. I've worked behind a ton of churches that have the same set of cultural values. They are a bunch of similar words that mean nothing in practical application. Uh, I've seen the same thing for a ton of businesses and entrepreneurs and people launching things. And they you know, say, we want to be excellent, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so that's question number one is how do you develop that type of deal? Like, how do you develop a, a, a DNA with teeth? Um, or would you rather talk about how to sift out winning and losing ideas? Because from the outside looking in, you guys have only produced bangers. Like, all of the products make a ton of sense. Everybody, the first time you hear it, actually, it happened to you on the show here. You said, oh, wow, that's a great product. Super timely, makes a ton of sense. Right. And I would assume that there is a... You know, you're not just like a virtuoso over here, like every idea you wake up in a cold fever and they're all perfect. Like there's a workshopping of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, which one of those are more interesting to you to unpack? Well, I have been talking more about the values lately. Uh, one of the YouTube videos that I'm most proud of that we made this year is called My Most Embarrassing Leadership Mistake. And you can mm. find that on the Pro Church Tools YouTube channel. Search my name, search Pro Church Tools. As we've discussed, either will get you where you need to go. Uh, and the, 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 the big thesis of that video was that, Hey, I started this company at 21, same year I get married and I was good at tech. And I was starting to prove to myself that I was pretty good at running a business, but managing people like just clueless. Remember, I did not have the relational bandwidth to be a pastor. So right. this stuff doesn't come naturally to me. Right. And then we're talking about mixing friends and, and, and business and the challenges that come with that. I, I would never say that those challenges don't exist, even though things have worked out so well for us to this point. And, and so the, 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 the crux of that video was like, hey, what I had to do was I had to basically codify values that I would lean on to evaluate my own behavior, inform decision making, and help me basically not react to challenges as they came up, but respond. Because I had this, this challenge where like, like running a business is full of stress. And I'm like 23 and I have like a two-year-old at home and I'd come to work and like, oh, something else came up. And like, I'm, I'm just like emotionally volatile. And that wasn't good at home. And it also wasn't good at work. I was like, okay, Brady's sure. like, oh, is this a good Brady day or a bad Brady day? You know, cause I'm like figuring this all out on the fly. And so I codify these values as basically ways of like, hey, this is the person and the leader that I aspire to be. Mm -hmm. And so I have this personal set of values. I have shared them all in their entirety in that YouTube video. 
They each have a description and a scriptural anchor. Those are my personal values and family values. Mm -hmm. Then we also have values specifically for pro-church tools. And we have values specifically for nucleus. So those personal values are going to be mine and my own and for my family. The pro-church tools values are for our team there. And then the nucleus values are for that specific software platform because uh, software and the church space has a lot of uh, a, a lot of things where when you're building something that's so big, you need values to decide, okay, how are we going to say yes or no to this specific feature or specific direction of the platform? For sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's very easy for these to just be fancy stanzas that live on a Google Doc but don't actually mean anything. I it's remember like pop quiz every time they come up like, oh, did I remember all the words? But they don't clearly not impacting day to day decisions. Right. Precisely. And I think for me, they they became real and kind of proved their worth in, in the crucible of difficult times. And the analogy I'll use for this is is my own faith. So I start to go through like a deconstruction phase of my faith in my mid 20s where you know, my brain is more fully developed at the time. I'm encountering all these ideas and I'm starting to go like, huh, this thing that I elevated probably shouldn't have been so elevated in my faith. And this is how I'll describe my own deconstruction journey where it wasn't so much, you know, oh, I want to walk away from the faith so much. Was it, hey, I don't think I have my priorities straight, you know, like growing up, let's say in purity culture and having this really highly elevated purity culture ethic and then realizing this kind of feels like an idol, how high it is in my faith hierarchy. Like, I don't think it belongs this high. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have some virtue to it, but like, we got to bring this down. It's taking the place of something else that should be there. And so then I go through a couple really difficult things in my 20s. Uh, one of them is losing my mom. She passes away to cancer. She was my biggest mentor, you know, my best friend and the, the you know, the biggest influence on my life. So she passes away untimely. And that was one of like, you know, I go through this crisis, I go through this really difficult time. And that's when it's like, okay, all of the ideals and all of the faith constructs that I have been saying, I believe and saying are real, when things get really difficult, do they prove that they are real? Or do they kind of like wilt under the pressure? And for me, at least, that was when like my relationship with Jesus was was proved to be 100% real and 100% reliable and, and faithful in the darkest of times. So then you come out on the other side of that and those values of the Christian faith, the Christian worldview, those aren't just like ideas in a Google doc or ideas in the Bible in scripture, but you've had to live through them. And you've had to like put to the test, like the idea of dying to self and that being what really brings life. You know, okay, that's what Jesus is saying, you know, take up your cross and these things are not going to be easy, but I promise to be there. And this is the way to live. And it gets proven true. And you're like, okay, now I trust this more and more. So the same thing with these values, you codify these values, you know, and, and one of them is, um, for my own life is plenty never lasts. And the idea behind that value is that, you know, there's a time for this, there's a time for that. It's rooted in Ecclesiastes. Like there will be times when you launch a social sermons and, you know, every church fills up every spot in the first week and it's highly successful. It's the biggest launch you've ever done. And it's like all your hard work paid off. And there'll be other times when despite you doing everything right, things go poorly. And it is a reflection on you probably not in that individual circumstance, but if you've been living too risky and too reckless, then it is a reflection on you because you should have known that plenty never lasts and 
irrespective of your hard work or your talent or your skill, there's going to come a time when things aren't so great. And that's when you need to be able to buffer that by living with margin and making the good decisions when there's plenty to harvest, you know, before, um, before, you know, modern, uh, you know, the modern infrastructure that we have today, people came to my country and they were like, dang, it's cold here. And we need to make sure we find a way to keep our preserves through the winter. Otherwise we ain't going to make it. You know, the first pioneers come here. They're like, this is a tough look for us. And they find a way to do the harvest in the summer and they preserve their life through the winter by realizing plenty never lasts. We're not always just going to walk outside and it's like, oh, just pick all the, the fruits and the vegetables and life is good. And it's the same thing, you know, here with that value. And so how they become real and substantive is when they're proven in the challenges of life, or in this case, the challenges of business and the challenges of family. But the reason they're also there is that it doesn't become easier the next time you realize, oh, we have plenty. And oh, no, no, we need to make sure we live within this specific predefined framework. It doesn't become easier the next time. And that's why these values are there for evaluating your own decision-making and behavior. But even though it's not as easy, you do remember, you know what? Last time I made this decision, it was the right decision. Last time when I had a crisis of faith, Jesus was faithful. If he was faithful then, he can be faithful now. And if this value kept us afloat and led us on the right trajectory last time, it will do the same now. And that's how you become a consistent leader. It's how you become you know, more, uh, uh, resp you're responding to problems, you're not reacting. Um, and so that's probably been what's made the most substantive for us. Wow. That's awesome. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Got to land the plane with that one. That was fantastic. Um, this has been great. Typically, we will do a, uh, a segment here on the show. It's a little silly, but it's making a mark where we pull out a Sharpie and some paper and we'll actually have a 60-second drawing prompt. Ashley, you've been on it with the prompts lately. What should we draw today? Oh, gosh. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, I know we've just been so wrapped up in story time. I know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of something visually. Hold on. Let me grab a Sharpie. Let me give me one second. Hold on. OK. OK. Fred's got to get markers. I uh, love it. Guys down in the chat, if you've got anything that you would like us to draw, go ahead and drop a comment down there. And uh, it, it, basically, whoever answers first is going to have it. But. I'm feeling like um, well, we got to wait for Ashley to come back. And my printer's out of paper. I thought I had paper in there. That's what I get for trusting a printer in 2023. <laughs> Did right. you guys come up with one while I was gone? Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I got. <laughs> All right, um, Ashley. <laughs> do you want to do baseball stuff or do you want to do friend stuff? Oh, friend. How about? Baseball friends. How about do both? Baseball friends. Baseball friends. friends. And I say baseball yeah. because uh, Brady has been to every major league baseball park. A thing on my bucket list. Youth pastor fashion 2049. <laughs> Jeff came oh with, with the killer prompt. Uh, I actually love that because it ties in with the, the title today. So we're going to go youth pastor fashion. Uh, what is that? 30 years from now plus? Yeah, roughly oh, 30 geez. years from now. What will youth pastors be dressing like? <laughs> and you could draw an article no of clothing. Idea. Actually, you got to get, on, <laughs> you gotta get on the game today. I'm sorry. We got, we got 60 seconds. Ready, set, giddy up and go. 
Oh my gosh, my Sharpie I'm is so dry. Real, real screechy today. Yes, I'm just having, I'm just having issues with the sound today. I'm sorry. Dang it, this is like You're... so dry. <laughs> Hold on, it's like literally, I don't have any left. I have to get another one. I'm sorry. It literally doesn't have any color. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm. This is great. This is so good. Uh. Brady, I think I've asked you this before, but what was your uh, favorite ballpark? Oh, yeah. That's got to be uh, Fenway in Boston. Uh, just like no a way. different different time of like you're walking into like 80 years ago, it feels like. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's caught in decades past. And it's so distinct to that color green, the green monster, yeah. which is unlike anything else in all of the ballparks. And when I was there, the Jays were playing, which is my team, you know, Toronto, Canada, and they swept the Red Sox. Uh, Boston is the sports city that I hate the most. I have no love oh, lost man. for that that city of sports teams. Um, you know, <laughs> hey, that's not about the – this is Hockey. sports hate. That's distinct sports. from real hate. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a hockey hate. fan, but even the Bruins, of, of course, have a terrible history with my – not my. I do not care about hockey our maple leaves so stuff that's great um yeah but i, I was i was kind of hoping for a different answer because i've been to fenway and i loved it man it's like the cathedral of baseball like you just walk in and you feel like whatever uh feeling the holy spirit gives you in church like the baseball gods have that at, at uh fenway i don't know if that's super sacrilegious to say that but it's it's definitely a a must adventure for anybody who's interested in that kind of thing. Ashley, I've given you a lot of extra time because you're complaining Sorry. so much today. <laughs> but <laughs> gotta put that pencil down. We're okay, I'm done, done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Sorry. All right, everybody show your work and then we're gonna explain it to the class. Wow. Okay. I did not have a sharpie, so I used pencil. Ashley. Pardon me for the pencil. Oh you just got the, the pointy <laughs> the pointy boots. <laughs> All right, Brady, explain your 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 sorry, Dorito. Yeah. Actually, it looks like uh, what's his name? Um, John Johnny Bravo back in Cartoon yes, Network. Yes, that's what I was oh, Johnny say. Bravo! The, wow, the bad guy, the bad guy. Yeah, with the so uh, my wife is the is the animator in the family. I have zero skills here, and uh, I only I'm so bad that I can only do the bottom half. But what we have here is my wife and I were talking about heels yesterday, and she's like, you know, I need to I need to I need to wear heels more. And I was like, okay, sure, I support that. So here in 2049, what we have is, you know, we've seen a crossover of fashion here where men are bringing back the heels. And, you know, for (laughs) all of us short kings out here, you know, me, 5'8", 5'9", if I'm lying, like we can, I have some boots and there's a a pretty big, pretty big chunky heel on those boots. And, and so I I don't actually have imagination, um, Jeff, for what is on top in 2049, you know, I'm leaving (laughs) that to the other two hosts on this show. But for me, we're doing wide, wide balloony pants and big heels for, for, for at least men. Okay. This is men youth pastor. Yeah. I I cannot speak for the women youth pastors. If they want to wear heels, great, great. More power to them. Uh, But for the men, we're embracing something that today, maybe we're a little bit skeptical about. Thank you. There you go. I love it. We'll check back in uh, 20, 30 years and see who is right. Ashley, you want to break <laughs> yours down for us? Sure. So as you can see, hold on. Can you guys see it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. he's cool. wearing like, I wanted it to be like, I thought of like Xenon, like, you know, like the, the, I do you guys remember <laughs> okay. that Disney movie. So like this, like chest plate is like silver, but he's also still wearing like his hip, like hat. Cause those also will make a comeback mm-hmm. and he's super ripped. 
sure. with like reptile hands for some reason. <laughs> and then his pants are like kind of baggy. So it's going to be like another resurgence of like what we have now. Like the Is that a little ish? Are, are we and getting then, a little midriff action there? Um, no, that's supposed to be a belt. But yeah, we can say that. Oh, gotcha. I'll put a belly button there. I um, like that. Bring the heels and the crop tops for the men. Yeah. And then he's got his like big old Air Max shoes but they're like the newer because air maxes ones. haven't gone anywhere in 30 yeah, years yeah they're like the updated ones and my favorite sneaker i love to hear it yeah and see he's hip cool and the future and the future <laughs> wow without those labels i would not have known but thankfully <laughs> <laughs> all right i feel like mine is probably more like 2030 <laughs> um, and this is following in line with the whole, like, everything is puffy. Everything feels like it's from the metaverse <laughs> uh, line of thinking. So this is one single, like, my granddad used to wear Dickies, right, a ton. Yeah. And this is yeah. kind of that same model, like, all your clothes are one piece. But it's more like a big <laughs> sleeping bag that inflates a little bit. And he's got the hoodie string drawn tight, so there's a little scrunch around the face. Uh, and he's holding <laughs> his little... Uh, like liquid capsule that he holds yeah. his drink in, but everything else is just like puffy ridges, one piece of material. You just crawl in that face hole and then uh, <laughs> squirm around until everything fits right. It almost looks like a minion with like a butt crack. <laughs> if you bring it back, it. like his leg, like looks almost like a little butt. Like it's like a minion. Yeah. I fear uh, in between it. services when you have to use the bathroom, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody just crawls out of their suit. But guys, this has been a <laughs> wild, fascinating, delightful episode. As always, that's going to be a wrap for today. Huge shout out to Brady for joining us and having fun and cutting up and sharing some pretty deep uh life goal things that I feel like a lot of us have some room to to kind of self-evaluate as well after the show. But yeah, uh, we're going to have links for you. all the stuff down in the notes below. Love y'all. Adios. Until next week. Peace. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you had as much fun as I did. You can join us live for recordings on YouTube Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to have you come hang out with us in the live chat. You can follow along on Instagram at Making a Mark Pod to help us make these episodes. That's right, you'll be voting on topics, nominating guests, and tagging us in your work for a chance to have it featured on an episode. Visit makingamarkpod.com for even more info and context. This is home base, but Instagram is probably where the party's at. If you like the show and want more of this, share a link to the episode with a friend. Until next time, adios.